Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Faith is answering the evidence that God has given us to trust in him. And faith for physical healing of our bodies, if you've been born again into the family of God, is something for which God has given ample evidence. So when healing doesn't come, we must ask why. And the first reason may be because you're not his child and have not been born again, and so this provision is not offered to you. Again, it may be that there is sin in your life that is festering, and God is most interested in addressing, first and foremost, any spiritual and moral sickness in your life. Then again, it can be for lack of following the evidence that you're not healed. It can be because you lack enough faith to just trust Him. James 5.15 says the prayer of faith raises the sick. Now it doesn't say whose faith it is. It might be yours. It might be the person praying for you. It might be one of those elders that gathers around and anoints you and prays for you. It just says the prayer of faith that follows the evidence and asks for the bread that God has offered with outstretched trusting hands. That prayer, God answers. Someone prays it, and God heals. That's what it's saying. So, If you go through the New Testament and you read the New Testament, you'll find some accounts where individuals are healed and it doesn't express and demonstrate whether they had faith or not. We don't know whether they expressed faith or not. God just did it. God provided it. God answered for them. But it's an argument for silence to say, ah, you see, God healed them and there was no faith there. On some occasions when there's some great miracles that are taking place, there are signs and wonders that God is performing to establish his gospel before unbelievers and pagans. But when the provision is brought to the covenant people. Let's assume there was some faith that was being expressed. And actually, whenever faith is addressed within the context, it's either attributed to their healing or to their lack of healing. It's either attributed to opening up and them grabbing hold. Your faith has made you whole. Or he could do no great works in that place because of their unbelief. Faith. Faith is expressed expressive of the hand that's just following the evidence of the promises that God has made to his people and claiming. In fact, James calls for another kind of prayer of faith in the first chapter of James. He calls for the prayer of faith for healing in James chapter 5, but in James chapter 1, James says that we should ask God for another thing that he provides for his people. You know what it is? Wisdom. He says, look, if you lack wisdom, you go to God and you ask him. Let's read it. It's James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It's the same principle. It's following the evidence of who God is and what God does and what God will do and claiming it by faith. And it even explains why that prayer might not be answered. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's the same principle of God's provision and God's responsiveness in the covenant to his people. But it doesn't come to those who are doubting. And by the way, I don't think this is a doubting in outcomes. The fact is, 
They had no idea what kind of wisdom God was going to give them. Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. I pray that you just give us wisdom. And they don't know exactly how that wisdom is going to be expressed and work. So they can't put their faith in it. Actually, I've asked God for wisdom for certain things. And the answer he's given me has been nothing like what I was expecting in terms of wisdom. He didn't answer me according to what I prescribed would be maybe the right thing to do. Sometimes he gives you a direction that seems to be just the opposite. What you think you should do in that situation. This is not faith in some kind of prescribed outcome. This is faith that follows the evidence found in the character of God. He's a God who provides. He's the all-wise God. He doesn't withhold himself from those who come to him. He gives himself abundantly and freely if they'll ask and trust and believe in him. This is the lack of faith that would just reach out the hand and take from him believingly and trustingly what he will provide. Healing falls along the same lines. We're not praying for specific outcomes as we might somehow lay hold of them. We're not praying that our heart rate will change or that our, you know, the level of buildup in our arteries might decrease overnight or whatever it is, right? We're praying that God would lay his healing touch upon us and Give us the power of his own life living within us and giving us strength and power and new us. We're actually not looking for healing first and foremost. We're by faith reaching our hands out to the healer. We're laying hold of him who is life to us. I'm saying, God, with every ounce of my being, I want to glorify you and I want you to be glorified in every ounce and particle of my being. And I claim you. You're praying for his divine life to be expressed in power for the needs of your body to his glory alone. You're praying as you follow the evidence of trusting in his character and his provision and what he's promised and your hand is simply just outstretched to receive it. But if you doubt in God's power and God's willingness and God's loving plan and the provision that he's made for you, you might not be able to expect this to be provided for you. Just a week ago, I had a pastor call me. It's interesting, I'm on this topic of preaching on healing and I had a pastor call me that I haven't spoke to in 30 years, basically. He was a young pastor in Vancouver, British Columbia, when I was also in the same city. He came from the Philippines, and he would call me every Saturday night because he was struggling writing a sermon, and he and I would write a sermon together over the phone, and we developed a really good friendship, and he actually had me come and be the godfather for his first son, which is kind of important for the Filipino tradition. I hadn't heard from him in 30 years. He called me. As I was working on my second sermon on this series, he called me because he said, look, I'm just calling you because, you know what, I found this paper that you wrote for your ordination on divine healing. And I've been reading it. It's been such a blessing to me, and I thought we could talk about it for a little while. How about that? It was like, as I was preparing the message, I thought, Lord, am I, am I, is this what I'm supposed to be speaking on this morning? Am I just kind of pushing this too much? And here, 30 years later, a paper that I'd forgotten I'd written. Yeah, he says, I believe God heals, but you know, we can't say that he heals because of our faith or our lack thereof. The problem with that is that it could be easily abused as kind of a name it, claim it thing. We could just go and condemn people. You just didn't have enough faith. So I answered him this way. I said, well, no, I I get what you're saying. I understand that our faith is not faith in faith. It's not faith in outcomes. Our faith has to be a simple, trustful confidence in God to be all that he has claimed that he will be for us. It's laying hold of him himself and his promises to us. But can I ask you something, Bong? It's my friend Bong, Lorenzo, but Bong means brother. Can I ask you something, Bong? 
Let's suppose you're diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. Don't you want the persons praying over you to believe and be confident in God's power and readiness to heal your body? Well, of course I would. Well, there you go. Faith count. It's there. I know we've seen the abuses, and we've seen the people manipulate it so that it's a coin operation where you just get to put in what you want, and it's just a matter of how many faith coins you have in your own pocket instead of the faith the size of a mustard seed that just clings to the garment of the Lord Jesus and says, I'm going to hold on to him for his life. But it's still there. Mark chapter 9, verses 21 through 24 You have the story of a father who brings his mute son to the Lord Jesus because he's been subject to seizures that are set off because of a demon that literally is sought to drown him and throw him into the fire. And he says to the Lord, if you can do anything for us, take pity on us and help us. And the Lord Jesus answers him and says, if you can, all things are possible to those who believe. Now that's the test of faith and the one who is standing before him. That man is being tested to offer up some level of faith. And the man's response is recorded in the King James this way. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And now he's no longer just asking for the healing of his son. He's no longer saying, Lord, I believe. Just heal my son. It's Lord God, minister in my life belief and confidence and trust in you. He's confessing that Jesus is the Lord. He's asking that the Lord might grant him a measure of faith to overcome his own doubts and his own fears. Ultimately, we always need God to give us a measure of faith so that we might return to him and trust in him, and even our faith is his gift to us. God asks us of nothing more than this small amount of expression that says, Lord, I have my doubts, but I know you're the Lord. Give me faith to overcome my doubts and to trust in you and believe in you and rest my confidence in you, even in this matter. Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Part of the reason that we come to a message like this and preach a series on healing like this is so that we can periodically renew ourselves in God's word on this matter. So that we can be encouraged to allow our faith to follow the evidence of God's word and trust him. Trust him even for this. So you look at your life, you say, look, I put myself before the Lord and there's no sin that I'm aware of, or there was, and we've dealt with it, hallelujah. And I have complete trust, and I even have an expectation for his healing, because I know who he is, and I know who he is in my life, and what he's given to me, and what he's done for me, and it hasn't come yet still. Why not? Why not? Quick, four more reasons. The fourth reason is God wishes to teach us and develop us in his grace. God doesn't heal us right away because he wishes to teach us and develop us in his grace. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 7 through 10, the story that Paul tells. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Take your Bibles and turn there just a moment. Paul writes, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Paul's had God reveal all kinds of wonderful things in his life. In fact, Paul writes that God has even lifted him up to give him a view of heavenly glory. And Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Go to the book of Galatians and you'll, if you read it, you'll see that very likely the problem that Paul is struggling with here is a problem with his eyesight. This man who had been given great visions of God and great visions of God's glory and had been revealed visions for his spiritual eyes to see was having a weakness in his physical eyes. And God had to teach Paul a lesson. This wasn't chastisement. This wasn't discipline. This was loving development through the loving restriction of benefits that Paul might expect to receive from God, but God withholds it from him because God saw that those benefits might be received in a wrong way and take him in a wrong direction. And so God allows for him to be physically challenged and pressed by this thorn so that he might not slip into pride because God knows that he dwells in a high and holy place and in the lowly and humble heart And God wisely conducts himself in Paul's life and he does the same in our lives so that he might condition us in humility before him, even physically limiting us so that we would cry out and depend upon him and his life and his presence and turn into him because that's where he's wanting to direct us. And that's where we grow. doesn't always answer our prayers. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.